0: Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. I'm one of your hosts, Blake.
1: And I am also here. I'm Steve. Steve is also here. I'm always also here. Uh,
0: this week we're talking Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Hall of Fame voting has begun. People are putting together their ballots. It's, uh, it's,
0: it's a really exciting time of year. Yeah, but first before we get to that, uh, I just want to recap some of the news that we've had this week. Uh, we're going to start the show talking about uh, some of the news items uh, every week, I think. Because a lot's happening right now. Steve. Yeah, it's
1: like a in-case-you-missed-it magic edition.
0: And mm-hmm. if you missed it this week, we launched our... Uh, internally, we've been calling it the home tournament organizer, but it's Magic the Gathering Companion, uh, the app. It's an open beta, mm-hmm. uh, available on iOS
1: via Test Flight and mm-hmm. uh, Android via the Google Play Store.
0: Yep, absolutely. So the the app right now, the goal with the app is to build it in front of the players. Currently... It is, as I said, a home tournament organizer. Now, the reason that's not the name is because it eventually will be so much more. It will be a true companion. It will be a true companion app. Uh, But head to dailymtg.com, and you can see an article from earlier this week. Or you can also go to Hipsters of the Coast, uh, which also on Monday published an article about that. Yep. Uh, the other big news item that uh, happened at the beginning of this week is that we announced, actually Epic announced. Straight that out of that, Gamescom. Straight out of Gamescom, yeah. that Magic Gathering Arena is coming to the Epic Store. Uh, it's not going to be exclusive to the Epic Store. You can still download it uh, and play it normally as you do right now. Uh, but what it's going to be on the Epic Store and available to that customer base as well. And additionally, which made a lot of people happy. Yeah, yeah, me included. Also coming to Macs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we don't. Not
1: a not like Max. Not to the Max. Like Macintosh.
0: I computers. mean, it is Apple also computers. coming yeah. to the Max, yeah. but Macintosh computers. Mac, yeah. It will be available for to play on Max uh, sometime uh, later. Yeah. We don't, we didn't we don't do know yet. We didn't do a yeah. specific date. <laughs> but, but that was the, the big news from Monday. Uh, the other bit of news is Grand Prix Las Vegas yeah. is kind of already getting underway. Yeah, the
1: first day was today. Grand Prix. You're Com- going.
0: Grand Prix Commander is yeah. what I'm calling
1: it. <laughs> GP Commander. GP yeah. Commander. We, well, Magic I mean, Fest Commander. Magic I love Fest it.
0: Commander, because effectively the, the, the Commander Zone is going to be about as big as a decent-sized Grand Prix. I,
1: I expect a full report when you get back on the on the Command Zone at Magic Fest Absolutely. Las Vegas. I'm really excited to hear about it. Yeah, and and I know you're really excited to go. And I'm going to be
0: at the Commander Party on Friday evening. Look at you. So really looking forward to this weekend. Some people are already there, already playing yeah. Commander. Including
1: people from this building. Already playing other yeah.
0: formats, too. It's a, it's a really cool event. Uh, so if, if you're not going, you can also follow coverage. Check out ChannelFireball.com for that. And otherwise, uh, it's a really exciting weekend.
1: Yeah. So if you see Blake, say say hi. Yeah. Ask him how much hi. he loves the uh, the counterspell, render silent. I don't. Do that. Please ask him. Ask him like, as many times like as possible.
0: It's not fun. <laughs> You're not fun.
1: Steve. That's that that is inherently false. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we we have a great show today. Yeah, we're going to yeah.
0: talk, as we said, about the Hall of Fame, which we're super excited about. Uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, so we're going to go through. Whoa. Whoa. What?
2: did you guys say Hall of Fame? Yeah. Of fame. Uh, who's oh, okay. what? Yeah. I, I How did you get in here? Yeah. Fame,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. G- come on. So Paul Cheon <laughs> Paul 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 is apparently here. Apparently heard us talking about the Hall heard us talking of Fame. Just of Fame little about this. Just so just, just because just because, <laughs> just because your desk is a right there to me a okay, yeah. put bit a microphone I, get, get so, a so a can mic. actually, over here you can actually...
2: bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little mess of
0: up that's bit of a little bit of a little bit of a Surprise Paul of is going to of talk of our first... The, our, Paul uh, the Paul of Fame. The Paul, Paul of Fame. The Paul of Fame is a very <laughs> I, I different yeah. Paul. No. <laughs> no. But you can't
2: you can be in the Paul of Fame. That's I, I will be in the Paul of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I have to be a top
0: five Paul. Top
2: five Paul. Yeah,
0: Paul. Yeah, top five, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, well, a <laughs> Paul? Mm. See, see, look,
2: look. Polo doesn't, that's, Polo doesn't count. Polo okay, doesn't that's count. Polo doesn't count. That is not that's a Polo.
0: I mean, yes. you, you you do go in and out of the top five in the Cheon rankings. Yeah, that's the, the Cheon rankings
2: are far more competitive than the Paul rankings. <laughs> <fair> though, so. <laughs> we yeah.
0: Okay. Well, all right. Great. We Paul special here. guest, Paul Cheon. Paul Chion. Of Fame. Yeah. Let's go. Let's. Paul, yeah. So we're going to go through. Uh, we're going to start with the new candidates yeah, there, this there year. Are there are four new candidates this year. Uh, and then we're going to go through other notable candidates, uh, people who have been getting a lot of conversation, a lot of consideration in the community. Uh, and then at the end of the show, we're going to talk about the future of the Hall of Fame. As so you can see from this lovely ticker that uh, our producer has set up at the bottom uh, of the screen. <laughs> there are some changes coming, but we're going we're to talk about those at the end. Yeah. Let's, let's start, first of all, with looking at uh, the full roster of players who are available to vote for. We're gonna run through these pretty quick. There's six of these slides. Uh, So, Paul, if you can, since since you surprised us, what's the minimum eligibility for getting in the Hall of Fame? Do you know that off the top of your head? I believe
2: it's a hundred and fifty pro points because mm-hmm. I know that's what's required for you, Christoph
0: Grigor. Right, he barely made it there, yep.
2: and I believe that's kind of the minimum requirement. It's also what you need to to vote as a former competitive player. Right, we of course give votes to other people, but that's what you need from a former competitive player. So, 150 points, and you also have to consistently been playing, consistently be playing, and picking up those pro points as well.
0: Yes, and you are you are not eligible until 10 years after you've earned your first pro point.
2: Exactly. So that could have been a Grand Prix or any other event back in the day. But yes, you basically had to have been playing competitive magic for 10 years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you'll see some people on here have been on the belt since 2007. Some of them are new uh, in 2019, 2018. So we're going to keep these. These are just all of the people you could potentially vote for. So mm-hmm. today we're going we're gonna to pick out a few specific ones and talk about them, the new players uh, and the, the players who, like I said, have been garnering a lot of conversation and who, who have a real shot at, mm-hmm. at making it into the Hall of Fame and who are, who are certainly garnering a lot of discussion, especially on Twitter right now. So let's let's kick things off with. uh, We're just going to take these in alphabetical order because that's a good way to do it. It's the most reasonable way to do it. Uh, We're going to start with Jeremy Desani, former Player of the Year, Jeremy Desani. Uh, 2013,
1: 2014 Player of the Year, Mm -hmm. off of the back of his uh, Pro Tour Theros Championship.
0: Yeah, he he won that one with the Mono Blue Devotion deck, and then uh, that year he also went on to top eight four GPs, and that was kind of how he got his Player of the Year status um paul what are what are your thoughts on jeremy
2: so i think jeremy had kind of an amazing breakout year when he kind of won pro tour theros and he's been you know kind of a consistent fixture Mm -hmm. at the the pro tour events but thing, but the thing that really kind of is glaring here is the fact that he only has two top finishes and when you when you look at kind of what the minimum requirement is for kind of being considered into the hall of fame I think a lot of people have kind of a minimum, and mm-hmm. I think in my mind, in most people's uh, scenarios, is four. Yeah. four is kind of the magic number, and then you start adding in community contributions, yep. consistency. uh, you know how good other peers thought of this player, and I think in terms of that, Jeremy has that. Like play, people know that Jeremy is a top tier elite Magic player. Mm-hmm. However, those two top finishes are the thing that sticks uh, sticks out for me.
0: Yep, and, and note we're. We're putting these as top finishes this year, so right. uh, we've had a lot of changes to our organized play system over the years, uh, which we're again going to talk about it later in the show. But just there are a just few. There are just so just many tournaments that bit. are yeah. these days that are are big and important, but are not pro tour top eights. Right, and and. Paul, you were talking a little bit before the show, even though you totally showed up here by surprise. <laughs> about <laughs> about yeah. uh, how, because you're still, you know, very, very tapped into the pro community. How do pros view the different tournaments? You were saying Worlds is like seventy-five percent right. of a pro. So, so yeah, what? I actually
2: mm-hmm. just, you know, I've been, I've been, because I locked in my votes today for the Hall of Fame. But I was before I kind of put my votes in. I, I you know, reached out to a lot of friends of mine. And yeah, I, th- you know, when you, when you look at top finishes, back in the day, people just really looked at Pro Tour Top Eats, mm-hmm. right? But now we've kind of added a lot of other things to that bucket because, you know, moving forward, we have all these different events, and we just need to kind of, kind of amalgamate all those things into one thing. Mm-hmm. So now we have Worlds, we have uh, Invitationals, uh, the Mythic Invitationals, and we have, of course, the Magic Online Series. And um, at least, you know, when I've spoken with a lot of the pros, they still look at the gold standard being, you know, what we Mythic Championship top eights, right? Mm-hmm. So how many total Mythic Championship top eights do you have? Then you start adding other things on top of that. Now, if you have a top eight at a world championships, even that, people don't, a lot of the top pros don't consider that the same as a top eight pro tour mm-hmm. because a pro tour is a 15-round tournament, and it's got 500 people in it. It's really difficult to make the top eight, whereas... Sure, it's really hard to make it into the World Championships, but there's a lot less people playing. So making the top eight of that is far easier than making the top eight of a Pro Tour. So I think the gold standard is Pro Tour top eights and then World Championship top eights. I think people give it kind of uh, somewhere in the range of half a a top finish or 0.75 of a top finish. Mm -hmm. At least when you're trying to calculate, all right, does this person meet the bar in terms of, you know, whether or not I should consider this person in my list. Because you know, what I did when I was breaking it down was you know, we had a list of 43 people, and I kind of narrowed it down to around 10 to 12 people, and then I was starting, started looking at all the other things that, the, that that player has done to kind of contribute to the Magic community or you know, just overall other results that they've
0: had. Yeah. So as we go through this, uh, kind of keep an eye on the top finishes number. Uh, four and five is kind of yeah. the, the sort of minimum range you want to be in. Any less than that, and it's, you've got to make a real hard case. Yeah. Right. Uh, so next up is someone we don't have to make a real hard case for, Reed Duke. So oh, Reed Duke is, is considered— Nobody knows who this is. <laughs> he's considered by most to be basically <laughs> this year's slam dunk. Every year it seems right. we have one or two just, just absolute yes. If you don't vote for this one person, you're doing it wrong. Reed is, is this year's version of that person, Paul.
2: Yeah, I mean there's there's no question right. Reed has the top finishes. His his uh, pro tour median is completely off the off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh he's just been a model of consistency and just been a top 10 top 5 player in Magic, you know, for the last 6 7 years. Yeah. I mean, he's just been incredible and yeah, if you don't vote for Reed I question whether or not you even should have a vote, honestly, no, no, no. because like he should be number one, yep. and then you 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 can make a case for all the other people, but without a doubt, Reed Duke should be in the Hall of Fame. Model you should in, vote for Reed.
1: Model of consistency and just a model. Look at his hair game. Model, just a model, games, yeah. a
2: model citizen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah.
1: just like take model and re- apply it to any exactly. For, and
0: uh, and for I know I know a lot of voters don't give a ton of weight to lifetime pro points just because. They're often era-specific, they are. Uh, they can be weighted by just how much you decided to travel to Grand Prix for years. But 530 is an astronomical <laughs> amount. That's most, really large. Most people that you're gonna see in the runnings are gonna be in the three to 400 range. Right. And so 530, when you see a number like that, when you see that it's that high, that much higher than most people, it has to add a little bit of creepiness yeah. to it as well. So, so,
2: for, so for me, overall, Lifetime Pro Points is kind of, uh, Somewhat of a tiebreaker for me, right? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, like you said, it's geospecific. If you live in in the U.S., you have access to more grand prix, so you can easily go to more grand prix and you can get more points, right? Yeah. That's just what happens. Uh, but at the same time, there are other people like Martin Uzel who traveled the world and went to every single one and got a billion points too. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think there's something that can be said for people who have shown a commitment to the game. If you traveled everywhere and gone to all these grand prix to pick up all these points, you know, that's that's a little extra bonus. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if somebody has 10 GP top eights and 20 GP top eights. For me, like, if one person's from Japan, for example, I'm not going to put it that much against that person because right. it's a lot harder for that person to, to go to all these Grand Prix and put up those numbers.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let's put Reed's slide back up there because I want to uh, tell two short bits about the, the notables at the bottom of his slide. So, 2011 Magic Online champion. That's really how Reed got his start. That was how he got onto the Pro Tour. It was really the first big event that Reader Rabbit, mm-hmm. as he was, he was known on Magic Online, still, still is. Still known, yeah. Still yeah. known. And on, and on
1: the Magic the Gathering Arena. Yep, that was yeah. really his
0: breakout. And then uh, that second place, 2013 Magic World Championship, impressive in and of itself. But notable was that in 2012, he finished dead last. Dead la- this was, again, the Small Field World Championship. He just got crushed, and it was, you know, he was coming in representing Magic Online Championship. That was how he got his invite, Uh, if I'm, I think I'm remembering that correctly. And then just got crushed in 2012. Made his way back in 2013, proved he belonged there, and not only did he prove it, he then got second, barely losing to Shahar Shenhar in what was actually a very favorable matchup for Reed to the point where People were writing his name. It on was things,
2: it man. was it was absurd. Yeah. He, was up, he was up. He was up two zero in a very good matchup. Yeah. And Shahar pieced together just these ridiculous wins yeah. with a control deck that had no way to kill any of Reed's hexproof creatures. Yep. Reed was playing Boggles. It was modern, and Shahar was playing Jeskai control with a bunch of lightning bolts that did nothing. Yep. And somehow Shahar managed to. You I know, still I w- watched those matches and live, 5. and I
1: still don't understand I, yeah, how it happened. I I did too. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> It was one of the craziest finals of a world championship that we've seen. Yeah. Just, oh my! Did the reverse sweep. The
2: reverse like sweep in how? a bad matchup. Yeah. It's insane.
1: Just yeah. crazy. Just crazy.
2: Uh,
0: but uh, but Reed non- Duke, nonetheless, yeah. slam dunk hall of famer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm not going to talk about who I'm going to vote for on this show. But I'm, I'm going to vote for Reed. That's, <laughs> okay, yeah. that's the I, only I, one. I, almost, because of of don't want want, walk, I don't want Paul to take vote. away my vote. Yeah. I don't want Paul to take away my vote. All right. Next up uh we've got Joel Larson yeah the, the Swedish Kibbler as he was known for a while until until he really started putting up a ton of his results and just stood on his own mm-hmm. rather than being a Brian Kibbler lookalike he and honestly I don't really see it but that was yeah. it was yeah. that was his nickname for a while. <laughs> but then but then for a while after that the joke was Kibler was Swedish uh, was American Joel Larson because Joel started putting up a lot of results uh, but again, only two top finishes. He was the Pro Tour Magic Origins champion, and he finish, finished second at Pro Tour Gate Crash. No other top finishes besides that.
2: Yeah, uh, he's, you know, one of those players that likely needs to string together a few more top finishes to be able to get there. But, you know, he's had a good amount of success since his victory. You mm-hmm. know, he's been on some of the top teams, top, top testing teams, put up a lot of results. But uh, again, there's a lot of people who put up, you know, a handful of results here and yeah. there. You really need to pick up those 4 or 5 top finishes to be considered, I think.
0: He's yeah. he's certainly capable. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. just not there yet. I would also keep in mind that it's
1: it the, this is everybody's first year of
0: eligibility all these people we're right. talking about
1: right now. Just because they don't get voted in this year doesn't mean that they're never going to get in. First right? balloters yeah.
0: are, are not actually as common as you would think. Oh, no. Except for Reed Duke. <laughs> Except yeah. Reed, Reed
2: Duke, <laughs> Josh Hutter Layton, yeah. LSV Finkel, yeah. there's a handful of them, but yeah. but it yep. doesn't happen all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Pascal Maynard from Canada. So you know he's nice. Tarmogoyf aficionado. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the story there, if you don't know it, is just is, he, very strong player. Uh, only two <laughs> top finishes. He is probably best known for, for picking a foil Tarmogoyf. In the top eight of a draft, I yeah. didn't go in his deck, and it was GP Vegas. It was, it was GP it was Vegas fifteen <laughs> Grand Prix Las Viva Vegas, Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. We've yeah. all been there, yeah. right, it's, right? You know, we, we love you, Corey Pascal. <laughs> uh, but again, only two top finishes, uh, and again, pro points not a huge weight to it. But he is a North American with fewer than three hundred pro points, which again is probably another knock against him. um He's unlikely to be voted in this year, but uh, again, another player who's perfectly capable of stringing together. Yeah, definitely. Matches.
2: He's had some stellar results um, at the Grand Prix circuit, but he really hasn't been able to translate it as much uh, onto you know the Pro Tours and the Mythic Championships. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's he, he's pretty far away uh, in my eyes.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that is the. Those are the four that are newly eligible this year, and yep. out of those. Red Duke, pretty pretty strong chance. <laughs> Decently uh, strong. The the others. I'd say um, reasonable, reasonable, acceptable, reasonable. Yeah, we'll get some votes. Yeah. lock
2: it in, lock it in. <laughs> All
0: right. Or Paul will take your vote away.
2: I will I will go in and be like, who voted for not Reed? <laughs> we'll make a list.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, next, uh, you know, funny thing. Voters cannot vote for themselves, yeah. so right. Reed Duke, you're on notice because you're not <laughs> because voting. Because I right, know you're so. not voting for Reed Duke. I will make Reed the exception
2: Duke. if the if the votes come out to ninety nine point nine nine percent.
0: Yeah, I will make that exception. Then it's okay. Okay. All right. So now let's talk about some of the other candidates who have been getting a lot of uh, conversation and notice this year. Candidates who are. Uh, borderline or very close to certainly being in. It's not their first year, but their names are certainly appearing on a lot of ballots. And again, we're going to take these in alphabetical order, uh, so that there's no like secret bias. <laughs> or like that.
1: And by a lot of a lot of ballots, there. Uh, for context, people often will post who they yeah. intend to vote for on Twitter or on. Uh, if they're content creators on whatever content they do, right. so it's not as though we're reading the ballot. No, no, no. Yeah. We,
0: we encourage people yeah. to discuss them openly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is, or first up, Sam Black. Yeah. So Sam Black again, four four top finishes. That is that is sort of that that borderline. This is the minimum you need to do, but again, one of those is a world championship. Which which right. Paul said, and you know, a lot of pros don't consider that the same as a pro tour top eight, close, right? But but just below that, and then three pro tour third place finishes. That, uh, yes, like, that old... sort of consistency's <laughs> got to count for something. The old, the old triple triple. <laughs>
2: I mean, if those were firsts, he'd probably be in like slam dunk, you <sighs> yeah. know. But uh, uh but yes, yeah, I'm one of those players. I mean, he's been playing forever, mm-hmm. and. He goes to everything, yep. and you know, he just absolutely loves the game, and uh, one thing that I really admired is just, like, he has a, a different approach to the game of Magic than many of the other pros, mm-hmm. but he's made it work, yeah. and he's had all these all the success despite that, you know, uh, even going into the last Mythic Championship in Barcelona, he was like, I am forcing five colors, five-color control every single time, yeah. I don't care. This has worked for me, and I'm going to do all with it. And he went 4-2 and with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And nobody, you know, his pick orders were completely different. So he really just has a way of thinking outside the box um, that, you know, I've certainly been able to learn from because I am the spikiest of spikes that just really tries to attack metagames just like, all right, how can I tweak a few cards? Mm -hmm. He goes, okay, I'm going to just play this completely nonsense deck to try to, like, figure things out. And he's been able to break the format, uh, you know, multiple times before. You know, he had the, uh, the Blazing Shoal deck. The Blazing yeah. Show effect yeah. that, yeah, yeah. that that gave him a, a, a top four one, one of the top of those eight finishes.
0: Third place finishes, yeah. Right. He's watching right now. He's oh. asking the question. <laughs> uh, actually, he went 3-3. Three, three. He just corrected you. He oh, went so, three. Sorry, three, Sam. Oh, I was
1: Credit. Uh Blake, you, you played uh, you played against Sam. Once. I played against Sam Black a long
0: time yeah. ago, before he was Samuel Black and, and before everybody. you were Blake Rasmussen. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this was and it was a memorable match for me because I, I didn't have a ton of success at the, the lower levels. But this was back when we had regionals in North America. And Sam and I played, I think it was, like, the winner of our match would then play the winning in next round or something like that. It wasn't for the top eight at any, at any way. Um, and I was playing some Sunforger homebrew. and With Some Mighty Uh Yeah, yeah they yeah. were in there. <laughs> Uh, and Sam was playing a deck i don 't remember what the deck was, uh, but ink eyes was involved nice anyway, years later, I think this was a year or two ago i I relayed this story about Sam, and Sam remembered the match he remembered every you know bit of it he remembered uh my my mistake at the time cool. uh, and it, it's it's it 's impressive it 's always impressive to me when players have that kind of recall for matches that really don't matter over the course of their yeah. uh, their career but you know mattered a lot to the player at the time so that was really cool and it's it's always given me this this perspective on Sam that he he really knows what he's doing yeah. in, in individual games
2: and, and you know this is one of those cases too <laughs> where where you start looking at all the additional contributions players have made yeah right? because he's right there on the borderline right yeah it's yeah, like yeah you know, he's been a fantastic content creator for Years and years, yeah. right, for, you know, for Star City and stuff. And he just made a lot of great articles, a lot of great content. And, um, you know, he's just been a pretty great ambassador for the mm-hmm. game. So I think a lot of those things are things that people are going to consider when voting for somebody like Sam because he's right there. And that's what yeah. a lot of people are talking about.
0: And okay. if you want more to consider for Sam uh, to vote for him this year, note that he said that that regionals that I just cited, favorite deck he's ever played, and he won that regionals. So, <laughs> oh, of course yeah yeah, of course. yeah, yeah, yeah. So also regional champion, yeah. Samuel Black. <laughs> so, so the thing
2: is, I I never remember my matches, except for mine against Sam Black, which really? was in the top eight of U.S. Nationals. It was okay. in the top four. It was in the top four, and he did the whole uh, shuffle your whole sideboard into your deck. Yeah. Oh, sure. And then take out 15 cards. Yep. And then, you know, uh, at this point, like, uh, you know, I played so much man, I just knew all the different things that he could have. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't expect him to have a sudden spoiling. Uh, <laughs> I, covered, I covered that Oh, match. you covered that <laughs> match. I was on coverage. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, oh, I remember so that. So I'm playing, and I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm going to win here because I just, you know, I I, I, don't, I can't think of anything that he has. I, has. I have a counter in my hand. Yeah. You know, I have cryptic command in my hand. There's nothing he could do. And he had a split second card <laughs> and <laughs> sudden spoiling <laughs> and completely blew me out. And then after the match, it, that was like one of the middle games, but after yeah. the match, he goes... Oh yeah, that was an accident. (laughs) Um, I in my sideboard guide, I did not mean to keep this in. He just took out fifteen cards and then just like left that one in, and he got me. And I was like, "Oh my God, what happened?" (laughs) I I remember that vividly. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, but he was also my teammate for uh, the team worlds. Yep, Yep. one of the uh, my my proud my proudest. Wins is because you know that was the last time Team USA won mm-hmm. uh, one of these Team Team World Championships. It was me, uh, Michael Jacob, and, yeah.
0: uh, and Sam Black. Well, and we don't have the answer to this question, <laughs> but actually, Sam's first question when he jumped in chat. This is not going to be the Sam Black show. We're going to move on yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in a moment. <laughs> but he did say, "How? Speaking of which, how did you of all people not make sure that they counted Team World's wins as a top finish?" Now, Paul had, not, <laughs> Paul had nothing oh. to do with that oh yeah. server let's be clear
2: my one crowning achievement I know yeah.
0: uh, but uh, if that brings up a point when you're talking about top finishes yeah. uh, team world's finishes are not counted in right. that number up yeah. there yeah. so uh, it may take a little bit of extra research if in if in somebody's mind team world finishes are good enough or are that .5 right. or whatever and they yeah. want to continue They're the doing the math uh, yeah. there, there, there may be a little extra research if you want to s- check out those borderline uh, candidates yep uh, speaking of borderline candidates and this is a different sort of borderline candidate, yeah uh, we are going to move on to talk about Marcio Carvalho so uh, he is a borderline candidate for for two very different reasons <laughs> yes. um, on one hand on stats alone slam dunk Hall of Famer and we'd be talking about him as one of the most successful magic pro players of all time not just looking at the numbers just 9 purely, top finishes purely looking at the that's numbers. insane yeah. However, Marcio has been suspended for cheating. Yes. That happened. That is a fact. He was suspended from pro play for cheating. Um, However, since then, he has come back, and he has had a ton of success and has done so well that he's even in the uh, MPL right now. So for a lot of voters, you look at his stats, he should be in there. Right. Even even his stats since his suspension are very strong. Right. Uh, but for many voters, the line in the sand is: if you have been suspended for cheating, I'm not voting for you. Right.
2: Yeah, and, and that's certainly the hot topic, right? Again, looking at his numbers, mm-hmm. if you only look at numbers, he's even more of a slam dunk than Reed Duke. Right. He has nine top finishes. It yeah. is simply incredible, and. You know the fact that he's been able to string together top eights, I mean, every single year, Marcio's basically a lock mm-hmm. to top eight one of these events. You know what I mean? He was second
0: at Worlds last right, right. year. Right, Yep.
2: And, and but just like whatever event he plays in, he's going to be one of the favorites going in. Mm-hmm. And you know, personally, I believe that you know um, since the suspension, I feel like you know there hasn't been a whole lot of things that have, that's happened. I, I feel like he's been he's been you know pretty clean player, mm-hmm. and and he's put up Hall of Fame worthy numbers. In that like three or four year window since you know he's got like three top eights since that time, along with a world's top eight, Mm -hmm. along with a magic online top four. So the numbers are just just ridiculous. So so it's it's really just a matter of you know, do do you think that if somebody's been disqualified, that just automatically uh, eliminates you for consideration? Which I can respect. Mm -hmm. That's something that you know people can. And uh, but otherwise, do you go? Do you think you know like? He hasn't done it since, and he's just, if, he, if you want the Hall of Fame to be about putting, getting the best possible players in there, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's got to be up there, right? Yeah. He has to be. He, like, in my eyes, in terms of just pure talent alone, you know, he's got to be somewhere in the top, top 20 players of all time, mm-hmm. so.
0: Yeah, so that's a tough call. We'll leave yeah. that one up to the voters. <laughs> yeah. uh, next up, we have Javier Dominguez. Yeah. So he's been eligible since 2013, but really this is the first year that he's garnered a lot of consideration. And a big reason for that is that 2018 Magic World the Championship, the current
1: defending world
0: champion for Magic the Gathering. he is the defending world champion after finishing second at the World Championship the previous year. But again, to Pauls, how high do you rank a a world championship appearance? Uh, his four top finishes, two of them are at the World Championship. Right. So but you were saying also that winning is a different story than just yeah, finishing. There,
2: there's up. so many different metrics to consider here because Javier again is a borderline case but it, one all of the success has come kind of recently too right yeah. it's just within the last two or three years like a meteoric rise in terms of the type of success that he's had mm-hmm. but yes a win in many people's eyes counts a little more than just a top 8 right yep. for example if somebody's won for example, we, we talk about four top finishes being the, the, the bare minimum. If somebody's won three Pro Tours, that person is going to be strongly considered yep. probably getting voted in, right? So th- it's it's like one plus. So if you win the World Championships, that means something. That might be close to a top eight. Mm-hmm. At this, and, and then he got second the, the year before. Not only that, he has two ninth place finishes mm-hmm. where he was X and four and barely missed out on tiebreakers. So he's had a ton of these just really, really, you know, close, close to top eight finishes along with... You know, winning the world championship he has a chance to defend his title he is qualified for next year's world uh, for the, the next world championships that's coming up so yep. uh yeah i mean you know you know he's got to be one of the best players in the world right now and you know i think he's got the trajectory but again four top finishes and only two pro tour top eights yep. so so that that's kind of the big mark uh, or big knock against javier mm-hmm.
0: yeah currently in the MPL. Yep. Um, but yeah so another another candidate who's who's real close wouldn't be surprised to see him get in wouldn't be surprised to see him just miss it, it could go i will say it. this
2: given his trajectory you know if we continue to do uh, the hall of Fame voting i mean he's definitely he's got that path right yeah. like he's i don't see him falling off the MPL, you know and uh, he's just continuing to put up all these top finishes so yeah. you know if he doesn't get in this year you know, it's one of those things where he's just going to continue putting up those so, numbers. So
1: you're saying he should probably stick with Magic for a little while. Uh, it's, pretty, it's just probably, a little it's
2: pretty while. Pretty good idea. Yeah. I, th- I think we're pretty invested in uh, you know doing the, the the whole esports thing. You know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to talk about this is this is probably I, I'd put I'd put this next candidate probably just below Reed in terms of at least conversations and yeah, people saying of they're going to vote for him. So Brad Nelson. A uh, friend of the show. Did not win his split, <laughs> his division split <laughs> But uh, you'll see he has five top finishes. We've been looking at a lot of fours recently. Five top finishes. He has that 2010 Player of the Year um, accomplishment. He recently finished second at Mythic Championship 3. Uh, and he's widely considered the best standard player in the world and has been for a few years. Uh, again, uh, lifetime pro points are fuzzy stat, right. but 481 is is a lot. Yeah. And and those five top finishes are a lot. Uh, so, it, thoughts on Brad?
2: So, when I look at lifetime pro points, basically it's more like as long as you're below the minimum threshold. Yeah. Is what I, if you have somewhere around 250, that's fine by me, you know what I mean? Uh, but as far as the top finishes goes, I did a little bit of digging. Mm-hmm. He has three Pro Tour top eights, along with... Uh, the Mythic Championship, yep. third place, which right now some pros are still like not complete because it's not tabletop. Yep. It's a smaller tournament. It's a 68-person tournament. So it, it's, it, is, it, is that more like a world championships in terms of like what you're trying to weigh in terms of, you know, whether or not this person, you, you consider that as a top finish. So, you know, I think Brad is also, that's why like some people are saying maybe he's not a, a slam dunk like we yep. talked about with Reed Duke because he's got the three top finishes. But even if you say this Mythic Championship was half and another event was half, that would be four, yeah. right? And again, having that reputation as the best standard player ever, mm-hmm. that's, that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. There's such a huge focus and emphasis on standard in, in all of our tournaments, you know, and he's the guy. Yeah. He is the best player. So uh, and not only that, I mean, even talking about, like, that Mythic champ- Championship uh, top four, or sorry, finals, he went seven zero in the MPL. Yeah, he played against the best players in the world and went seven and zero to lock up a slot. Seth Manfield went six and one in that <laughs> yeah. same division and didn't make d- didn't make it into day two for free because Brad was you know, the end game boss <laughs> in yeah. standard was there yeah. preventing him from getting there. Yep. So and you
1: want to talk about historic contribution? I mean, Brad, you saw on the slide twenty ten Player of the Year. That was the first ever year where uh, it, there wasn't a clear Player of the Year where they had to do a playoff. Yeah. And Brad won.
0: Right. That was the first and then, in terms of yeah, in terms of historic moments, yeah. that's it, that's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> right, in, If we if we had one of those moments <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. But yeah. that that is one of the, the seminal moments. I can still picture the the image of Brad sweating out Guillaume uh, uh, Matignon. Yeah, yeah. Matignon's yeah. uh, last matches in mm-hmm. the event that put them to a tie, just him going like this. Uh, but Brad Brad is, uh, and his community contributions are solid. He has a podcast. He's been a writer. Yeah. Um, he's done a lot of things uh, for the community in terms of, of teaching magic and talking about standard especially. And yeah. so um, he's, he is a borderline to very strong candidate. Yeah, yeah, very
2: much in the same vein as like Sam Black, as we talked about before mm-hmm. in terms of contributions. But um, I think he, he's also just had you know, slightly better results overall. So I, I think, you know, Brad is going to be one of the top candidates, like you said, right below Reed. Yeah.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, next up, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this candidate uh, towards the end of the show when we talk about the future of the Hall of Fame. Uh, but Pri- Chris Pakula garners mm-hmm. a ton of discussion every year. Whenever Hall of Fame is mentioned,
1: whenever, whenever that voting season yep. opens.
0: Yep. <laughs> now, again, let's, let's start with just stats alone. And Chris doesn't make the cut. He he doesn't, and that's and that's been the issue. Now there's there's some discussion about um, uh, era weighting of pro points and how there were fewer back in the day and there's more now, so that's one of the reasons why pro lifetime pro points is a bit of a fuzzy number. Uh, but again, three top finishes is below the threshold. He hasn't um, put up results or, or played for quite a while. You know his his pro tour Dallas finish is one of the notable ones, and that was in '96 '97. But that's not why he is on most people's minds. Right. Um, Chris is on most people's minds because back in the day, uh, cheating was a lot more common at, at the pro levels, and it was in fact considered in some circles, not all circles, but in some circles, to just be an edge, to be just a gamesmanship, one of those things you did to to get to the top. And Chris was one of the most, if not the most, vocal people. Uh, to say no this is not okay we have to clean this up we have to do something here's what we do and there are a lot of people who will point to uh, pro magic today and say it would not exist without chris pakula's efforts back
2: then yeah i will say that he was just kind of one of you know we have Reed duke as kind of the model ambassador for magic now he was kind of that back in the day yeah and he his his work you know allowed you know us to just have clean tournament magic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's not to say it was just him as well. You know, there was a there was a, there was a group of people that, that all felt strongly about this, but he was kind of the person also leading the charge with that, um, and this is the extreme example of getting somebody in because of outside contributions to the game, yeah. right? Because if we just had just a Magic Hall of Fame, right, I think, I think he would just be in, yeah. you know what I mean? Because of what he's done for the game. But, uh, you know, th- there, there's also just the other side of the coin where people will go, well, no, these numbers are just not, not, not good enough to get you there. Yeah. So it really, you know, th- this is where it gets extremely subjective. Because, yes, if you, if you weigh everything that he's done and count that as a top finish, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because there's so many different metrics to yep. use, then, then, then you could vote him in. But if you want to just, if you want the Hall of Fame to be strictly about performance mm-hmm. and results, then he, he's not he's not quite there. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and poor Chris, every time we've changed the <laughs> rules over the past couple of years, he has oh, he man. has made it under the previous threshold, but not made it under the new threshold. Like when we moved the the percentage to get in from forty to sixty, when it was forty, he was in the thirties. When we moved it to sixty, he made it to forty nine or something like that. It was, I don't remember the exact numbers, right. but it was it was heartbreaking. Yeah how close he's come a couple times and, and, and hasn't quite made it. Um, and and chat is telling me right now Chris was one vote away from being inducted in 2005. Yeah. It's just... I, I, will, I
2: will say this. He actually made a request this time around to not tag him in any Hall of Fame-related <laughs> yep, tweets I saw that. because yeah. his heart can't take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. been so close so many times. So uh, if, if you do want to talk about it, Try to not at least tag his Twitter handle yeah. Yeah. so that he sees the threat. <laughs> I believe this is
1: the, uh, the this is the situation for which the phrase "Don't at me"
2: was Yeah, was yeah. literally, for. don't at at, <laughs> at Chris.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Jerry Thompson. Yeah. So Jerry Thompson is another interesting case because he, like Sam Black, has been around for quite a long time. Eligible since 2012, he's at that sort of borderline four finishes. But if you look at the two finishes highlighted on there, Pro Tour Amonkhet, Pro Tour Rivals of Ixalan, both in the last couple years. Right. Uh, and Jerry is another one who is getting a lot of momentum for community contributions. He creates content all over the place. He also has a podcast. He writes. He creates decklist guides. Um, he uh, advocates for for players. He was in the MPL until, until yeah. he left to focus on other things. Uh, so there is... There's a lot of momentum around Jerry, but again, if you look at his numbers they're they're borderline. They are within range of everyone else we've been talking about
2: yeah, so w- when I think of jerry um I think you know he's got the four top finishes. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me when I was at least kind of looking through the numbers was uh his median finish. Mm-hmm. It was one sixty fifth okay, so which, which mean, I mean, he's had a lot of success recently, but he's, he's been playing a bunch of Pro Tours, yeah. and, you know, the, the first eight years were just kind of rough. You know, yeah. he just didn't do especially well, but he's really kind of stepped it up, and now he's got the top finishes, but, but, but now it's just a question of, you know, has he consistently shown himself to be one of the best players mm-hmm. year over year? And I don't know if that's necessarily the case yeah. for Jerry, but at the same time, like, like you mentioned, you know, He's kind of the people's champion, right? He really advocates for, for the players and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, wants to do everything he can to kind of support them. And that's why I think he's been garnering a lot of additional uh, attention because he's got that bare minimum four top finishes mm-hmm. along with all of his other contributions that he's made.
0: Yeah, he's certainly a popular player. Right. It's just a question of whether the voters think he's a Hall of Fame player. Exactly. Uh, next up, Kentaro Yamamoto. So, one of the tricky things uh, when we're talking about Japanese players is, is always the, the language and regional barriers. So there, uh, there's a lot of discussion uh, in the community every year, not just this year, but every year where um, uh, the English-speaking world doesn't know the non-English-speaking world nearly as well. And again, you look at Kentaro Yamamoto, he's got the requisite stats. You know, he's got the four top finishes, he's got the 300 plus uh, lifetime pro points. As you said though, regional bias means that he, uh, just where they live and where GPs and pro points are available, he's got less access to, to pro points. Uh, he's got the fourth in the 2014 World Championship, second at Pro Tour San Diego, I uh, bet that was back in 2007. So again, borderline here, but a lot of English speaking uh, people just aren't sure what aren't sure what is contributions are aren't sure what he, he means to that community
2: yeah absolutely when you look at Kentari Yamamoto just in terms of finishes and kind of uh I would say his reputation like mm-hmm. when I get paired against Ken- Kentari Yamamoto I'm like man this is going to be really tough yeah He's extremely good at magic he beat me on a mold of four once Jeez. and I still, what? still remember <laughs> what <laughs> yes it was at a pro tour he beat me on a mold wow. of four and I'm like oh this this just happened yeah he I don't want to talk about it but <laughs> uh and uh and yeah he's one of those players that like you know I've just always respected and you know for for, for years I just always thought he's one of the, cuz he's kind of soft spoken right he's yeah. he's not he's not a man of very many words so he doesn't have like this huge persona mm-hmm. so people don't really like recognize him as much but if you just look at his numbers I mean He's 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 got just as good, uh, just as good numbers as many of the other people we talked about. It's just again he's from Japan. Yep. We just don't know as much about him, and um, I think I think it is tougher if you are an international player because you don't get that recognition, mm-hmm. and so it seems it feels to me that sometimes they have to do a little bit more. They have to perform a little bit better just so that people consider him. Yeah. So if Kintari Yamamoto had five top finishes, maybe then we would consider him. I feel like it's a little bit harder because we just don't know who they are. But I will tell you from the perspective of a competitive player who used to play comp- uh, you know, on the pro tour or whatever, he was one of the people I was most afraid to play against mm-hmm. because he was just that good.
0: Yeah. yeah, well we saw a lot of that when uh, Shota Yasoka was voted in as well. Again, he, you know, his, his personality, his contribution's not terribly well known. Outside um, Japan, but and and his his numbers were good, but not like blow right. your mind good. But you saw him play, and you just saw him play so fast and so technically accurate. And he was um, I, when I remember having discussions about him. Then he was the pro's pro. Right. He was the one other pros looked at and were like, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. I don't know how he plays that well, that fast with decks that are not necessarily the norm or uh, at the forefront of the metagame. And he's just, he is so good that I'm voting for him because I know his talent is there. Yeah,
2: it's one of those things where if if all the players are going, that guy's a master. Yeah, you you know, you know that that guy is likely going to get at least many of the votes within the pro community. And that's kind of what happened with Shota because he didn't have slam dunk numbers, mm-hmm. but all the pros voted for him because they were like, yeah, this guy is very very good at the game. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid to play against them because he's going to play perfectly and very very quickly. Yeah, and uh, you know, even with the slowest control, decks, like, he just knows exactly what to do at all times. Mm-hmm. One of the fastest players, uh, you know, on the circuit. So. Uh, I, I think, I think similar with Yamamoto. I wouldn't say to the extent that you know it was for Shoda, where everybody was like, "This guy is a, a yeah. stone cold master." But I mean, Kentaro Yamamoto also just a, a fabulous, fantastic player, and mm-hmm. something that I, I think some a person that people should highlight a little bit more. But he just doesn't get that attention because uh, you know he's not <laughs> not from North
0: America. Yeah. Um, also, nor- not from North America, but getting recognition because of that is carlos ramal yeah so carlos ramal has gotten a lot of discussion this year uh he's he's kind of similar to willie Adel in that he is a giant of the brazilian magic community and there are so many brazilian pro players who, who will say i would not be where i was today i may not even be playing magic if it weren't for carlos and carlos you know he's got the 2002 magic world championship uh which really memorable event he was the 2010 magic online champion which we've talked about uh so he's got you know four top finishes 362 lifetime pro points he's been eligible since 2008 and hasn't put up another you know amazing result in the past year but again brazilian magic would not be what it is without him
2: i mean i don't even like Imagine what the Brazilian magic scene even looked like in 2002 right yeah. when yeah. I first started playing competitive magic that I heard of Carlos from out because he was the world champion yep. And I read about how he had to play a certain way to to kind of win, win win the title and everything and Just imagine just the sheer number of people that were inspired They were mm-hmm. like this guy from my country was able to win the world championships. Yeah. if he can do it I mean hopefully one day I can you know, and I think that that was just an inspiration to all of Brazilian magic. And, and now out of South America, I mean, Brazil has, you know, the, the biggest magic market, right? And, yeah. and I think it's in no small part to the contributions of Paulo, Willy, Willy Edel, and Carlos Ramal. Mm-hmm. And Carlos was the first, you know yeah. what I mean? He was the first, you know, Brazilian pro to have that success because he won that world championship.
0: Yep. And yeah. again, you talk about moments in magic that are at the tip of every historian's tongue that are... Um, the hall of fame magic moments that world championship is one of them absolutely where he yeah. he flipped the script on how you play the psychotog mirror. it still blows my mind because i hate so letting insane. people draw cards <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, and he it, for yeah. those who don't know a lot the the common strategy at that time in psychotog mirrors psychotog was a blue black control deck that used psychotog uh to right. uh, win basically out of nowhere in upheaval, right. uh, was that you countered things like Factor Fiction. You countered things like Deep Analysis because if they accumulated more resources, they were going to kill you with Psychotog. Carlos said, no, let them... There are only like four cards that actually matter right. and they're Psychotog. Right. Let them draw as many cards as they want. As long as Psychotog does not resolve, I don't care what else you do. Right. And he did that all the way to the World Championship. Yep it was uh it yeah worked? It, it was it, it worked was, it too, worked it was pretty like.
2: yeah pretty ridiculous yep uh and, and so yeah on top of that i will say i've i, I this is going to be me with some personal bias but just all my interactions with carlos he's just one of the nicest most genuine oh, guys i've ever met yeah. yeah you know what i mean and you know if it's close that helps swing it a little bit for me too yeah. you know uh so you know uh i i think he he's getting a lot of support uh, from the Latin American community, and, and with good reason, you know I mean, he was an inspiration to all those players, mm-hmm. and um, and you know he has got he's got a lot of good numbers, yeah. you know, and he's he's back, you know, he's in the MPL, yeah, right? you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. so he took a bit, uh, you know, he took some time off in the middle to kind of establish a business. Well, and that's the thing, he know, wasn't that, doing right? nothing yeah. with Magic.
0: Yeah. He was in the times he wasn't playing on the pro tour or traveling to GPS heavily. He actually was still traveling to GPs because yeah. he was part of the community, he was setting up his business, right. he was part of the magic community, uh, he just wasn't doing the pro right. player
2: thing. He was developing his uh,
0: br- uh, magic empire, yeah. if you will. <laughs> <'Cause Yes. laughs> uh, so, okay, so that is it for today's Notables. Now, just because we didn't talk about someone doesn't mean you can't vote for them. Yep. You do you, vote for whoever you want. Uh, although if you don't vote for Reed Duke, Paul, Paul will will, take away Paul will actually vote. just show up yeah. at your house mm. yeah. and he will, he will have words. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we want to spend this last bit of the show talking about the future. Yeah, because I
1: know, uh, Blake, you, you've been telling me a lot about uh, sort of the, the conversations internally about yeah. you know what's going on with the Hall of Fame. And uh, obviously we, we talked earlier about how our entire competitive structure has gone through a lot of changes lately. Mm-hmm. How did something like that affect the Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah, so we actually said sometime back in December or something that this would likely be the last Hall of Fame under this current voting structure, and it is. Yeah. So we're the this is the last year under the current structure. Now, we don't know what the next structure is going to look like, but we have a lot of conversations going on about what the voting structure looks like, what the hall looks like as a whole. So something, uh, you know, when we talked about Chris Pakula earlier, slam dunk, first ballot, contributions to the game sort of Hall of Fame. That's one of the discussions we're having is do we want to have a Hall of Fame that not only uh, recognizes pro play, but also contributions to the game, where we would put Richard Garfield, where we would put Brian David Marshall, where we would put Chris Pakula. You know, those first two, there's no stat line that you can look at and say, well, this is worth 0.75 of a Pro Tour Top 8, so that just doesn't exist. Right. Um, So, we are definitely looking at doing that. Um, Other things we're considering, should there be a nominating committee? If there's no stat line that automatically qualifies you for eligibility, how do people even know to vote for you? So, there's a lot we're discussing. Uh, It's likely we will not have details on what the new Hall of Fame looks like. (coughs) Excuse me. Until 2020, probably. I
1: do like this whole thing where we don't tell people what's going on until we're ready to
0: tell people what's going on. I do like <laughs> yeah. that. That yeah. is nice. Um, but it, now I also want to be clear, don't not vote for someone because the hall is changing next year and you think they might have a, a shot next year. So right, because the, this is all all the just discussion right now. Yeah. Yeah. ends up might not be this. So all this yeah. talk about, you know, Chris Pakula could fit under this new hall, don't take that as gospel. Don't take me, that as me saying... Don't vote for Chris he'll get in next year and right. don't if you want to vote for Chris Pakula, vote for Chris Pakula uh, whoever you believe is deserving for the hall, vote them in because we are not hundred percent sure right. what the hall is going to look like in the future uh it just we know that the current voting system does not work with our lineup of events how How do you measure a player's tour and a player's tour final and get and invitational, invitational yeah. and new worlds and, and and there's there's and you know gps what matters at this point is is a lot different than what mattered when it was four pro tours in a world championship right
2: with this completely new structuring of kind of our competitive play structure it's it's we need to figure out what the important tournaments are mm-hmm. and kind of put them into a group and uh it's going to be tough so it's going to just take more time for us to actually figure that out and then when we do then maybe we'll have something mm-hmm. in place, but you know we haven't locked anything in. So don't take anything from this show. No, like, no. Blake said I mean, there's a yeah. thing next I, I also year. I also because that's clear. just yeah. that is not that's what I'm saying. No, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't,
0: also, don't don't assume this is the last time you're going to vote. Right. Because yeah. we most of what we've been discussing still has a voting component. There's discussions. Should we have one Hall of Fame but two voting systems to get in? Like, do we? You know, yeah. we continue something similar with the pro side. Uh, But with the contributors side, we have a nominating committee and talk about things differently that way. Um, You know, we've got a number of models of other Hall of Fames to look at. Uh, So we are interested in your feedback. In what you want the Hall of Fame to be. Uh, So uh, going on Twitter, at Magic Esports, all one word, uh, is a good place to leave feedback. Uh, Let us know what you think the Hall of Fame should be. Not who, who should be in it. That's what the voting is for. Uh, But what the Hall of Fame itself should be. I'm also going to be at Grand Prix Las Vegas this weekend. Um, I'm going to be talking to people about how they get their information about Magic the Gathering. Uh, You guys are all watching this show, so there's one way. Uh, but, nice work. Good I'm job. But al- I'm also going to be taking feedback on what uh, people think the Hall of Fame should be, how people should get elected, how people should get selected, uh, you know, because for every Richard Garfield or Brian David Marshall that, yeah, of course they're in there. Right. There are other people who are, you know, who you'd need to vote on. Right. And who have made contributions to the game, but maybe they get in with a 70% vote. Anyway. Yeah. There's so much to discuss, so much to figure out. And, and I'm this actually, is why we're discussing it. This right, is why it is. it's still under discussion. I'm actually, I'm actually really excited yeah. to tackle this, uh, but we're looking for a ton of feedback because the Hall of Fame is so important to a yeah. lot of people, and it's this milestone for, for pro, it's been this milestone for pro play, and we, we don't want to take that away. And let me be clear, we're not, this is not us wiping away the Hall of Fame and starting oh, God, over. No. No, you're, no, no. If you're in the Hall of Fame, congratulations. You're going to continue being in the Hall of Fame. Um... Not doing that, uh, but this is us acknowledging that, that magic is such a bigger thing than it used to be and the Hall of Fame needs to grow to reflect that. So that's our kind of overall goal. The exact particulars of how we do that is what we're going to be figuring out over the next several months. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have a vote for the Hall of Fame, uh, send it in by September 3rd. Yep. That's your deadline. Paul already turned his in. Yeah. it, it included this overachiever. Redo. I know. I, have I voted for Reed. <laughs> uh, Steve and I have votes, yeah. and uh, I have not sent mine in. I have not yet either. I, I am, I am, vo- I I am voting consider. for Reed. There's more research <laughs> I need to do. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking into whether or not I can vote for Reed more than once. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You enough.
2: can't. you got to make up for the, the, the missing right, one exactly. Vote, the Right, exactly. The one
0: yeah. vote. Yeah. yeah, the yeah, one, yeah. 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 Uh, Next week on Weekly MTG, we are going to have uh, Megan, and, Megan O'Malley and Chris Kale. From, from the from, arena team. From the arena team. Yeah. They're going to come on and talk about some exciting ar- arena stuff. Yeah. Um, other than that, be sure to turn into coverage of. Grand Prix and actually Magic Fest Las Vegas. I know they're covering more than just the Grand yeah. Prix. Yeah. this There's so weekend. many things There's happening so, there. It's, oh my god! So I many things it's happening. Insane. Yeah. Um, Blake will be at the Commander Party. I will. I will yeah. be. So will many yeah. other people. If you can make it, it's sold out. Unfortunately, it's, but if you can make it, it's sold out. Be.
2: They made it bigger and then it sold out again. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> so, so surprised. It's, <laughs> uh, so
0: uh, it's gonna be an amazing weekend. If you can't be there, check out coverage. Uh, just ch- also just check out the fun things people are posting on yeah. Twitter. I'm, I'm yeah. a little I'm going tomorrow and I'm already jealous of people who are already there. Uh, But anyway, thank you for tuning in. Uh, again, share any feedback you have on the future of the Hall of Fame with at Magic Esports. Thanks We'd to Paul Chiron for crossing the show. Thanks today. to Paul for crashing yeah, the show.
2: <laughs> um, Always in for Hall of Fame time. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
0: we, you know, we did a little a gag where you yeah, walked yeah, out, yeah. but he did but actually that is literally, literally what happened. He Steve and I were did. doing prep work for the show, <laughs> and he steps in, he's like, "You guys talking about the Hall of Fame?" Yeah, and then he comes like, in, and looks
1: <laughs> at our return screen at, at the graphics, he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy." And we're just like, yeah. "Paul, do you want to be on the show?" just I was just
2: like, I just want to make sure you know we get the facts right and we just make sure we put, you know, compelling arguments for each of the things and just, you know, make sure. Make you know, sure everybody votes for Reed. Yeah, yeah, make sure everybody votes for Reed, you know. Yeah. I have an agenda, folks. Yeah, he does. It's he does. <laughs>
0: uh, but thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week.